On this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, we discuss the latest news, announce an upcoming two-day virtual conference, and in our focus segment, review the responsibilities of the governing body and how to assure compliance with the regulatory requirements related to governance in the ASC. Welcome to the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, the longest-running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. We would like to thank our sponsors, Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. Trivalence. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable data insights. And Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 183 of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey for April 2nd, 2023, recording from our studios in Spencerport, New York. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast with John Gailey and Operations Manager for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. We would like to remind our listeners that the ASC regulatory environment is a rapidly evolving landscape. And the material presented in this episode is based on the most current information available as of the date of recording. As such, it is important to recognize that this information may be subject to change, and we advise all ASCs to stay up to date with the latest regulations and guidelines issued by their relevant regulatory bodies. And joining me today is John Gailey, the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies and one of the most respected experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. With over 30 years' experience, Mr. Gailey has authored over 10 books on the ASC industry and is a sought-after speaker on regulatory accreditation and finance issues. So we're recording on the uh, 2nd of April here, and uh, our lives have been kind of in a bit of a turmoil because we have uh, six beautiful puppies who uh, are now four and a half weeks old. Yep. So uh, we've been quite busy with that, and uh, it's put us, again, a little bit behind here, but we're going to start catching up. We've we have been busy though, Sue. We've uh, inter- mm-hmm. we've done quite a number of interviews. Uh, we're kind of stacking up some interviews. I think we have about six or seven. I think so. Uh, that'll be uh, uh, coming in the pipeline over the next couple months. Looking forward to uh, some pretty heavy discussions about information technology, electronic medical records, and uh, also uh, supply chain. Just uh, mm-hmm. an ongoing, you know, uh, conversation that we have about some critical issues, but. Today, we thought we would focus on governing body. It's interesting. I think we look back on our records, and it's been about two years since we've actually had an episode uh, focused on that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we do want to announce a couple of major things going on. The uh, We just announced our multi-state conference. So the 2023 multi-state conference will be a two-day virtual conference, uh, and it's sponsored jointly f- sponsored by uh, New Jersey Association, New York Association, Virginia Association, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania associations. And we probably will have a few more associations sign on before uh, the actual date. But if you're a member of uh, New Jersey, New York, Virginia, Massachusetts, or Pennsylvania, 
uh, you're going to find that the uh, conference is free. So it's a two-day mm-hmm. virtual conference. For more information, you go to our website at ASCPodcast.com. If you're not a member of any of those state associations, uh, the, the price is nominal. It's only $299.99. Uh, and we're working on a special rate for our patron members. It's going to be held June 12th and 13th, and it's going to be eligible. We, we, we've we applied for, and I think it'll be granted uh, within the next couple of days, uh, we applied for uh, 16 AEUs for CAST certified individuals and four IPCHs for CAPE uh, individuals. Uh, it's a great conference. We're going to have some uh, in-depth conversations. Uh, each of the uh, sessions is two hours long as opposed mm-hmm. to the normal one hour that you see, and will give us more time to get into uh, more detail in each of the topics. We're going to be talking about things like infection control, survey preparedness, life safety, and human resources. And we also uh, announced in the uh, last couple of weeks the new ASC Central Premium Access Program. So this, uh, yeah, everyone by now knows about our patron program, which is $25 a month, and that gives you access to uh, a database of information and weekly drop-in uh, conversations with the uh, the hosts of the podcast and uh, other uh, individuals and as well as other patron members. And it's been a valuable tool. We have over 150, I think, patron members at this point. Uh, but we introduced this new premium access program, which includes the patron membership as well as access to all of our boot camps and a wide range of additional resources, including access to comprehensive and relevant recorded and live conferences, private consultations, uh, a general and individualized training for your staff and, and ongoing interaction with leading experts in the ASC industry. So we're very excited about this, whereas the patron program is more individual. Sue, you know, for uh, people that are interested in the ASC industry, uh, this, the uh, ASC Central Premium Access Program is really designed for facilities. So, for example, if you sign up for it, uh, you get access to all the, the the boot camp programs. So if you have an administrator and a nurse manager and a, a business office manager, all three of those individuals would be able to go to those boot camps for no additional charge. So uh, so definitely uh, uh, go to our website at ASCPodcast.com. I, it, uh, things are not totally up yet on that one, so you might have to uh, uh, go back uh, every once in a while just to double check on it before uh, that program be- gets uh, fully operational. So let's uh, move on to our recent news. So our friends over at the New Jersey Association, Ambulatory Surgery Association, did a a study recently that revealed that 84% of New Jersey's ambulatory surgery centers have had difficulty recruiting staff uh, post-COVID-19. And this uh, survey actually uh, surveyed 108 centers that were part of the state association uh, in 18 of the state's 21 counties. And the data was from the fourth quarter of 2022. And in this report, they found that nearly 64% of the ASCs reported that they offer their staff flexible work shifts, and more than 35% of the respondents said that they use a travel agency or an outsourced staffing provider that provides staffing that commits a minimum of three months in a given role to cover staffing vacancies. Uh, And a little more concerning was uh, more than a fifth of the ASCs use agency staff or temporary workers who cover a shift uh, or a day uh, to meet their immediate staffing needs. And, of course, Sue, we're very concerned about that because Mm -hmm. it's extremely expensive to hire these – these agency staff and, you know, the regulations require them to have the same training, mm-hmm. background chats, et cetera, that you would do for your own employees. So it's uh, hard the, to do in a limited time. And I think we, we strongly encourage, well, you have to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's difficult. Even, even if they're uh, uh, just coming in for the day, they have to go through the same training program, orientation mm-hmm. program that all the yeah. employees go through. And we've been seeing actually quite a number of uh, surveys recently, and I've I've um, done surveys of ASCs that have not taken these rules to heart yeah. and uh, have had some pretty serious citations for failure to get those employees uh, up to speed with everything that's going on in the organization. So. And it really can cause problems during any type of a crisis or, yeah. you know, a patient incident because they, they don't know what your um, protocols are. A code blue is probably what worries me the most mm-hmm, or a malignant mm-hmm. hypothermia event yeah. where, um, you know, they they if they walked in in the morning and went right to the floor, yeah. uh, they would have no idea what to do. So it's a very mm-hmm. dangerous situation. So... If you are hiring temporary workers, recognize that you're going to have to treat them the same way that you treat employees uh, that are coming into the center. I also found an interest. 89% of the ASC said that they're letting some staff work from home. I'm assuming that they're not doing surgery from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm assuming those would be like business office functions, you know, coding, mm-hmm. billing, maybe accounting. Yeah. And the positions might include scheduling also. Uh, so, I, you know, I thought that was a interesting uh, – and we've been talking about it quite a bit on the podcast, but – um, I, they also went on to talk about how uh, many of those centers are recognizing that they have to offer benefits, um, and including paid vacations, paid holidays, health insurance, uh, and uh, 401k plans. So uh, uh, the majority of those centers offered uh, vacations and holidays, and uh, you know, quite a number of them also offered a 401k plan. As a matter of fact, 94 of the 100, and, I think, is 110 uh, facilities offered it. So definitely. Uh, um, you know, if you're having problems recruiting, you're going to want to spend some time looking at uh, your uh, benefits that you're offering because that sometimes is the, uh, uh, you know, I mean, wages are important, uh, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's those benefits that uh, finally uh, get that individual to take that job. Mm-hmm. There was an article in the March 17th OR magazine that discussed situational awareness in ASCs. Now, the Joint Commission has pointed out the importance of using a surgical safety checklist such as one developed by the World Health Organization, in order to focus the surgical team's attention on any potential issues and increase their situational awareness. So the article in OR Manager points out the particular challenges faced by ASCs, including patient turnover and having fewer resources available. Basically, one person may have several jobs and, and may switch from one job to the next to the next. And interestingly, um... The focused care provided by single or limited specialty ASCs, while you would consider it a strength and that specialization can increase proficiency with all of that experience that you're getting, doing the same procedure over and over can also lead to complacency and a reduced awareness of of those small details. So the surgical and post-operative care teams really have to consciously stay focused and alert to any changes in the patient's condition. Now, the article mentioned the possibility of using a wall monitor to display patient information and the safety checklist, which seems like a good idea because it encourages the whole team can see instead of one person reading off a checklist mm-hmm. or having a little you know, note on a board or something. Um, so the whole team can be more involved in, in that um, checklist. And I, th- I found it interesting during our Saturday session this last mm-hmm. Saturday, um, one of our uh, regulars there, Katie, uh, said uh, to the group that uh, she's lost, um, I think she said, all of her CRNAs now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's heavily recruiting for this position. And, and I remember one was going out on maternity, I believe, and the other one was was moving on 
because the, she uh, there, it's a pain management center. She mm-hmm. felt that uh, she wasn't getting um, the complex procedures. She was getting bored in that that yeah. that position, yeah. um, which I I thought was kind of interesting. You know, you you think. I, I guess I can understand that if you're mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over again, and to your point with yeah, this article. it's hard to stay engaged. Yeah, the complacency could uh, could indeed actually be dangerous to, mm-hmm. to keep doing that. So definitely find ways to uh, to to engage your, uh, you know, your CRNAs. If you have an opportunity to move them around into different mm-hmm. uh, rooms or different, have them take care of different patients, uh, as well as anybody in the organization, yeah. any other employees, I think will help uh, – uh, to keep the keep things interesting and hopefully uh, not put you in a situation where people become complacent. Mm-hmm. And an article in Becker's Hospital Review from March 29th looked at the changes that have come about since the conviction of Redonda Vaught, and I won't go all through that because I'm sure everybody's familiar with that. Um, one of the changes involves the medication dispensing cabinets, which I know most ASCs don't have these, but it was interesting. Some of the systems have increased the number of letters that must be typed into the system to access medications. It, it used to be one or two, and then a lot of medications would auto-populate. Yeah. And so to avoid somebody picking the wrong one, many of the cabinets now you have to put in four or five um, letters. But something that's kind of across the board, many healthcare facilities have increased their focus on encouraging good catches and incident reporting. The focus should always be on what can be done to reduce the chances of a poor outcome in the future rather than on p- placing blame. And I know we've talked about that several times. Uh, and those near misses, I mean, uh, like mm-hmm. Triple C, for example, really encourages you to reward your staff for catching mm-hmm. those things and documenting them so other people can learn from it. But I think, though, uh, we still have an attitude here that people don't want to uh, um, to, to write these things yeah. up yeah. Uh, and kind of brush them under the uh, the rug. So we have to be very careful here for this very reason. Yeah, and you have to act on what you say. So I think a lot of people, a lot of leadership may say, well, we really want to hear about these things, but you have to react the right way when a right. staff member comes to you. You can't either say, oh, that you know, that's not a big deal, um, or on the other hand, making too big of a deal out of it and, and placing blame because, you know, you, you can say whatever you want, but you'll never overcome that if somebody feels attacked when they come to you for something. So you've right. got to really make that a whole culture thing. Um, and they also talked about intentional rounding, where the nurse manager or the DON really engages with staff during their rounds, you know, asking, how can I help you? Or is there something specific you need from me that will help you doing your job today. This helps the staff feel supported and it opens lines of communication because, you know, you may feel that if, you know, you're walking around and you're present that that's enough, but the staff, you know, often they may not want to interrupt you or they feel like it's a minor concern, but if every time you're walking around or, you know, once a day or whatever, when you're walking around, you're really asking that question. I think you're much more likely to get it, get an answer if, you know, if they've noticed supplies are low or if there's been some other concern. So I think that can really help. Yeah. And again, really always emphasizing that leadership is not where people work for you. You work for all of them. I, mm-hmm. uh, people have heard me say that over the years. And once you learn that, uh, I think you become a much better leader as a result. Yeah. And this came up with one of our um, one of our clients um, changing the MPO guidelines in in the center. So the American Society for Anesthesiologists recently updated its fasting recommendations for healthy patients undergoing elective procedures. And some of the discussion points were um, possibly doing clear liquids up to two hours preoperatively. Um, discussion of the possible benefits of carbohydrate or protein containing liquids. It 
didn't seem to lead to a more adverse outcome, but it seemed to, you know, really help with keeping the patient full and, and nourished. Longer than recommended fasting durations can actually have adverse effects on the patients. You know, they just um, just delayed healing and, and just the discomfort. Um, the task force recommends each facility have a robust discussion and information sharing that includes the anesthesiologists, the surgeons, and the nurses in order to determine what protocols they will follow. And then make sure to do staff education, maybe put up posters or charts to ensure consistent messages to patients if you're, if you're changing what your recommendations are. But again, that is a mainly anesthesiologist, but, but all of the providers discussion that, that should be had and, and make sure you're, you're following the best guidelines. Yeah, so you're you're likely in in upcoming uh, medical staff meetings or or uh, medical executive meetings mm-hmm. or even the quality improvement committee meetings uh, to start to have these conversations. Uh, by the way, uh, it might be a good time to mention that this is one of those things we recommend not be in policy but be in protocol mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to avoid. That gives you the uh, the ability to move things around a little bit yeah. more quickly. Remember, what's in a policy. It has to be approved by the governing body, but a protocol could be just approved by the medical director, director of anesthesia, et cetera, whatever is applicable or whoever is responsible for that Mm -hmm. particular area. So, Sue, uh, we decided we wanted to talk today about governing body, one of those things I'm quite passionate about. I speak about it quite a bit at at conferences, and I'm sure many of you have heard me talk about it over time. But uh, uh, during our focus segment, we are going to revisit the whole topic of the governing body and the governance in your ASC. So let's take a short break, and we'll come back and uh, start the topic. It's been a long day, and the surveyor's just left, and you are exhausted and looking at the list of items that you have to address. You wonder, how can I deal with this and still take care of my patients? More importantly, you wonder, how can I ever keep up with all of the regulations, standards, and accreditation requirements? How can I always be prepared for a survey and reduce my stress levels? Well, that's what Ambitory Healthcare Strategies does, day in, day out. We become your outsourced regulatory and accreditation resource. We can maintain your policy manual, develop your education programs, help out with fire and disaster drills, do your risk assessments, oversee your quality improvement activities, help run your quality improvement meetings and governing body meetings, and we can even prepare your monthly or quarterly financial statements and help you figure out where you are financially. We are a retainer-based service. We don't take ownership. We don't charge based on your revenue. We have one fixed monthly fee, and we can tailor your services to your exact needs. So whether you're looking for help getting over a survey, preparing for a survey, or looking for a long-term relationship to assist you with your ongoing regulatory and or financial needs, please give us a call at 585-594-1167 or email us at info at ahstrategies.com. That is info at ah-strategies.com or visit our website at ah-strategies.com. So we always want to start these discussions by talking about the condition for coverage. And this one is 416.41, condition for coverage, governing body, and management. So the ASC must have a governing body that assumes full legal responsibility for determining, implementing, and monitoring policies governing the ASC's total operation. The governing body has oversight and accountability for the 
Quality Assessment and Performance Improvement Program ensure us that the facility policies and programs are administered so as to provide quality health care in a safe environment and develops and maintains a disaster preparedness plan, which is kind of everything. Everything, right. It's a very succinct statement. Of course, uh, just to remind everyone that the conditions for coverage, of course, are the Medicare regulations that uh, um, that govern uh, your uh, Medicare certification. You need Medicare certification to become an ambulatory surgery center to be able to not only take care of Medicare patients, but most other uh, health insurance providers require you to have a Medicare certification also, as well as your state might requirement as part of their licensing. So uh, we'll now let's talk about the interpretive guidelines. So, of course, as we all know, the Medicare regulations or the conditions for coverage state in, in a very succinct way, as Sue just read, uh, what the condition is. But the interpretive guidelines help us to uh, delve into it deeper. They, they give us the information that a surveyor will be looking at when they come out to assess your compliance with the conditions for coverage. And it states that an ASC must have a designated governing body that exercises oversight for all ASC activities. And the governing body is responsible for establishing those ASC policies, making sure that the policies are implemented, and monitoring internal compliance with the ASC's policies, as well as assessing those policies periodically to determine whether they need revision. One of the toughest things in, in some organizations, especially large organizations, is determining what is the governing body. Sometimes, uh, especially if that organization is affiliated with a hospital or a management company, identifying what part of the organization is the governing body is sometimes uh, difficult. So make sure that uh, in your organization you can specifically state who the governing body is. Maybe it's called the board of managers. Maybe it's called the board of directors. Whatever it is, be ready uh, when a surveyor comes out to identify not only the title of it but the members of it and, and uh, be able to show uh, that there are regular meetings of that, that body. And the regulation particularly stresses the responsible responsibility for the of the governing body for various uh, aspects of the operation, including the direct oversight of the ASC's quality assessment and performance program, better known as the QAPI program, uh, the quality of the ASC's healthcare services, the safety of the ASC's environment, and the development and maintenance of a disaster preparedness plan. And remember that in the case of an ASC that has only one owner. That individual is actually the governing body. So uh, you might not call them that, but they are the governing body. And you still probably should have minutes there that reflect the activities there. I know he's only meeting or he or she is only meeting with themselves, but still you want to have a, uh, a set of records that documents the work that's going on. And although the governing body may delegate the day-to-day -day responsibilities for operations to an administrative medical or other personnel, such as your administrator, director of nursing, medical director, ultimately the ASC's governing body retains the ultimate responsibility for all of the, uh, the operations and the quality of the services. And I think the best way that a surveyor can determine that the organization is fulfilling the governing body responsibilities is by reading the minutes. And, you know, take a very hard look at your minutes and, and look through it and make sure that all of those things that we're talking about, all of those things that are mentioned in that conditions for coverage are discussed as part of your regular governing body meetings. And uh, often I, as a surveyor, when I come out, I'll find that the governing body meetings uh, might be one or two paragraphs and they're only talking about financial things. There's no mention of quality. There's no mention of disaster preparedness. Uh, there's no uh, discussion of the activities of the administrator or the nurse manager, et cetera. Sometimes we find even the uh, the nurse manager doesn't even attend the governing mm -hmm. body meetings, mm -hmm. which I, I can understand maybe it's not always the case, but that 
uh, there should be somebody representing the, the nursing staff during those board meetings. Or can they attend part of it? Do, do you Correct. suggest ever breaking up the, well, not breaking it up, having it all at once, but maybe certain people attend certain parts of it? That's right. And that's very common that they might be there for the beginning of the meeting. And, and then when they start talking about finances, for example, mm-hmm. maybe you dismiss the director of nursing and you bring in the business office manager or whatever. One thing that's important is remember your delegations of the governing body's authority should be, must be uh, in writing, and uh, it needs to be reflected in the governing body minutes too. The governing body is responsible for creating a safe environment where the ASC's patients can receive high-quality healthcare services. And that means that it's not only responsible for adopting the policies and procedures that govern all the operations, but also it has to take actions to ensure that those policies are implemented. So anytime that uh, it's apparent that a breach has occurred or somebody is not following the policies and procedures, be that an employee or a member of the medical staff, uh, the governing body has to take action, has to document the action that they're taking. Through its direct oversight and accountability of the ASC's QAPI program, it's expected that the ASC is better able to improve care being furnished to the patients. So one one thing that I've I've always emphasized when I'm doing a survey of an organization is that if condition level citations or deficiencies are are found related to multiple um, conditions for coverage, other conditions for coverage in the ASC, uh, the result is often that, especially if it has to do with quality health care or the safe environment, then likely you're going to see a citation in the governing body. So uh, a, a lot of problems in other chapters, if you're in a, in a HHC or other areas, uh, if you're CMS or uh, Joint Commission or, or the other accrediting organizations, you're likely to see citations also in the governing body section. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what surveyors are going to be looking for during a survey. So these are the types of things that you're going to likely have uh, uh, occur when a surveyor shows up. The surveyor is going to ask the uh, the ASC for information about its governing body. Uh, if there's questions about who constitutes the ASC's governing body, it may help to review the information that the ASC reported uh, on the 855B application. So you need to make sure that that 855B uh, application and the, uh, the PECOS um, online computer information is up to date. And that will help you identify who the individuals with ownership interest are and who uh, has or manages the control of the ASC. They're also going to ask the ASC how frequently the governing body meets and what are the typical items that are included in the meeting agendas. And they're going to look to, uh, to, to see those agendas as well as the, uh, the minutes from those meetings. And then they want to know uh, who the governing body has delegated operational responsibilities to, who are the managers of the organization, such as the administrator, the nurse manager, the director of uh, nursing, uh, uh, or the medical director, et cetera. And we really recommend, and some accreditation organizations require you to make those appointments or to renew those appointments on a regular basis, such as annually. Uh, they're also going to want to look at the organizational chart of the ASC to determine who uh, performs the various functions, including the human resources function, medical staff credentialing and granting of privileges, uh, who is in charge of managing the surgical services, the nursing services, pharmaceutical services, the laboratory, or even if you have a uh, um, uh, laboratory waiver, you're going to have somebody that's responsible for overseeing the laboratory waiver, you know, radiologic services, uh, who's uh, managing the ASC's physical plant, 
uh, who's responsible for medical records, be they EMR or physical records, who's in charge of infection control, who's in charge of the quality assurance and performance improvement program. And, and of course, the best way to identify all of this information is by looking at the minutes of the governing body for evidence of all of these activities. So make sure that there's a lot of information in that those minutes about it. Um, I, I also encourage you to make sure that the minutes reflect uh, all of that information related to the conditions for coverage mm-hmm. and interpretive guidelines as the first part of the meeting because that shows the importance that the governing body places on overseeing all of those functions. Uh, often I'll, I'll go in and I'll read minutes and the first conversation is about how much money they made during the, mm-hmm. the quarter. That doesn't really set the right tone for a surveyor when they're looking at it. So just move the agenda around so everybody talks about the quality improvement program, uh, you know, safety program, emergency preparedness, all of those things should be discussed before you get into a discussion about finances. So again, the governing body minutes are critical part of a survey, a critical part of documenting what uh, the activities of the governing body are. And frankly, you know, if you have a lawsuit, uh, those governing body minutes are going to be an important part of the uh, conversations that you have with your attorney and might also be brought up in court. So be very careful about how you write them. Now, the conditions for coverage are also very specific about uh, the responsibilities, about the governing body responsibilities related to the Quality Improvement Program. And that's actually in 416.43E. Sue, do you want to mention those? The governing body must ensure that the QAPI program is defined, implemented, and maintained by the ASC, that it addresses the ASC's priorities, and that all improvements are evaluated for effectiveness, that it addresses the ASC's priorities, and that all improvements are evaluated for their effectiveness, specifies data collection methods, frequency, and details, that it clearly establishes its expectations for safety, and that it adequately allocates sufficient time, staff, information systems, and training to implement the QAPI program. So again, very important that the governing body minutes reflect these activities. Uh, You don't want to just make a statement, the governing body reviewed the quality improvement minutes and approved all the actions. That's not enough. You're going to have to have a deep discussion about what's going on in the quality improvement program. And as uh, Sue mentioned, in the actual conditions for coverage, there's some very specific areas. And again, the interpretive guidelines provide a lot of information about this. So an ongoing successful quality improvement program requires the support and direction of the ASC's leadership, meaning the governing body. And this regulation makes clear that the CMS expectations for the governing body must assume is that they must assume responsibility for all aspects of the design and implementation of every phase of the quality improvement program. The governing body must assure that the ASC's program is defined in writing. Uh, For example, in the minutes of a meeting where the governing body established the program, you're going to want to see that approval of the program. And that should be updated or must be updated every year. They're going to want to make sure that the that there's actual evidence that the quality improvement program has been implemented and that the governing body has overseen it or reviewing the activities of that governing body and, again, reflected in the minutes. So you're going to want to see written evidence of that implementation as well as evidence and knowledge of the program by the ASC staff. And, you know, during a survey, if uh, I am reviewing or going through the, the organization, somebody points out a governing body member, I'm probably going to ask that governing body member about their knowledge of the conditions for coverage and their responsibility. And they want to make sure that this is an ongoing program. Sue, this is an ongoing issue that we have sometimes when people Mm -hmm. come and hire us. We have one particular client that we're never uh, very uh, happy with because they come back to us every three years and uh, (laughs) 
make us, uh, you know, probably about six months before each survey, and they have a rough time. They never really have a great survey because it's very evident to the surveyors that they, this is not an ongoing program. Uh, that they really just kind of ramp it up as they get closer to the survey, and uh, the rest of the time they're not uh, not fully engaged. And they want to make sure that the the governing body is aware of the various quality indicators that are being used. Uh, that there's some priorities established. They're going to want to look at the strategic plan, uh, the goals and objectives established by the governing body to see that there's activities there that reflect what's going on in the quality improvement, infection control, risk management programs. And they want to make sure that they're actually using that data that's being collected and analyzed to improve the ASC's performance. You, you want to make sure that uh, if, if the data is not telling you something, then you're going to want to search for other data that is going to tell you something about what's going on. And they want to evaluate the changes that have been uh, designed to improve the performance to determine whether they are effective. In other words, every time you implement a new program, is are all those changes that you put into place, any of those plans of correction that you put into place, are those effective in uh, in, in fixing whatever issues might have been identified. And the governing body also has to make sure that there's sufficient resources. Uh, is the governing body allocating sufficient and qualified staff, uh, including outside organizations like consultants, et cetera, as well as uh, qualified individuals as the director of nursing, the administrator, um, infection control coordinator, medical director, et cetera. And, and that those, organ those individuals have sufficient time, that they are not totally engaged in other activities and, and don't have the time to be able to do this. And Sue, you and I well know that this is not um, – this is a time-consuming process here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information that has to be gathered. There's a lot of analysis that has to be done. I've heard – literally I've heard doctors say to me, oh, this is something you can probably do in two or three hours a week. I would argue and I think we all agree that it's probably about 20 hours a week. Uh, minimum to be able to maintain a good quality improvement program. So make sure your governing body minutes reflect the, the allocation of those various resources uh, in your organization and, and that they follow up any time that they find that the resources have not been enough uh, to deal with the issues. So what are surveyors going to be looking for when it comes to the quality improvement program? Well, they're going to want to look at the quality improvement program to make sure it includes all of the essential elements that we just discussed. They're going to want to talk to the leadership to explain uh, how the governing body is involved in the quality improvement program. You know, what what is, uh, you know, how is that information moved up to the governing body and what does the governing body do uh, to, uh, to make sure the quality improvement program is of indeed effective? Uh, is there evidence of the governing body review of the elements of the quality improvement program? For, and that would, of course, be in the meeting minutes. And then they're going to ask the leadership uh, how it uses the program to improve performance. They're going to want to see actual activities. They're going to want to things, see things identified. Sue, so you mentioned it earlier. Incident reports, of course, mm -hmm. are a primary tool for identifying problems uh, in your organization or opportunities for improvement. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're not getting any incident reports, if you're not identifying any particular issues, then there's always going to be something. There's always going to be an area for improvement. If you're not identifying uh, areas for improvement, then your quality improvement program really is not up to snuff. And, and you definitely um, want to make sure your governing body uh, knows that this could be a particular issue and ask them for some guidance as to uh, how they uh, would like to see it improved. Or if you're identifying those opportunities for improvement, but you're not noting what improvements you're going to make, then, you know, that's an issue too. You have to actually 
take steps when after you you have an incident report. Right, exactly. And it's got to be well documented. Closing the loop, it's a phrase, mm-hmm. phrase that mm-hmm. we use quite a bit in our training programs. How do we close the loop? We identify a problem. What did we do about it? Did we change a policy? Did we change a protocol? Um, did we uh, retrain our staff? Did we have to discipline somebody who uh, was not um, you know, performing appropriately or not following the policies and procedures? Let's talk a little bit about governing body meetings. Uh, first of all, the, the regulations do state that the governing body has to meet at least once a year. Uh, but I can guarantee you, you're going to be cited if the governing body is only meeting once a year because there's no way that they can carry out all of the responsibilities, including the credentialing and privileges and providers. Um, you know, if you have a quality improvement program, it has to be ongoing, which means you don't only deal you don't only deal with issues that have been identified once per year. You want to deal with them as they come along. So our recommendation, strong recommendation, is that the governing body meet at least on a quarterly basis and that those meetings be just after the quality improvement meeting uh, so that they can uh, dwell or, or, or spend some time talking about all the activities of the quality improvement. And, of course, the meeting minutes have to have documentation of all of the decisions made by the governing body. I'm always very critical about organizations that have a uh, administrative assistant write up the minutes of the governing body. Uh, that's it's uh, you know those individuals just don't have the knowledge of the requirements of governing body minutes to be able to do that. So that's really a responsibility of the administrator, the director of nursing, or somebody on the governing body. Uh, you're also going to want to have a discussion during those governing body minutes about the progress of your goals and objectives and the establishment of goals and objectives in a strategic plan. You're going to want to discuss legal issues because from legal issues you can identify areas that might need improvement in your organization. Of course, you're going to want to have that financial update, which I frankly have never found a, a problem in most organizations and in making sure a financial update is done. You're also going to want to review all the contracts of the governing body meeting and approve any of those that have been uh, executed during uh, the, the between the last uh, meeting and now. Uh, you also want to evaluate those contracts on a regular basis for compliance with regulations and make sure that those organizations that you are contracting with continue to maintain compliance. And if they don't, then you're going to probably have to look into replacing them. You also want to make sure that you have uh, various resources to remain compliant available. Uh, make sure that uh, the staff has availability of training uh, on the uh, various aspects of uh, complying with the regulations. And you want to review changes to the regulations and implement changes to policies as necessary. I think COVID has taught us that regulations can change on a dime. Uh, I w- as I was preparing for t- today's uh, podcast, Sue, I was going through the CMS updates because, you know, periodically mm-hmm. we see things for the ASCs. And uh, the poor nursing home industry <laughs> has 12 updates that were mm-hmm. posted at the end of March that just shows how, I mean, there's a lot of updates that the nursing home industry is going to have to do. So we're off the hook right now and not having anything in the last couple of weeks. But that's what, those are the things that we do try to update you on in the, um, the podcast here so that you're always up to date on uh, the latest regulatory changes. But you need to have resources to be able to identify those changes and make um, policy changes, protocol changes, et cetera, uh, when those things occur. Also, during the governing body meeting, of course, you want to have a specific section where you review the quality improvement, the risk management, and incident reporting in your organization. Uh, you want to make sure that the administrators that implemented the quality improvement program appropriately and following through on things. You want to address any safety issues such as OSHA or bloodborne pathogens. You're going to want to uh, review the quality improvement program and the infection control program at le- and safety program at least on an annual basis. You're going to want to have some documentation in the governing body minutes of the review of the status of the facilities and the equipment. 
Uh, of course, you're going to want to make appointments uh, for all of those individuals we talked about earlier. Anytime that you're uh, giving responsibility to another individual, such as the director of nursing, uh, the administrator, the medical director, that's going to have to be uh, in, a, in an appointment. Uh, and usually that should be done on an annual basis. Most accreditation organizations require that now. And of course, one of the big responsibilities is the approval of privileges for the providers that are providing uh, services at your organization. And of course, anytime policies and procedures are changed, the governing body is the only or part of the organization that can can approve those policies and procedures. So that was a very quick, I think I talked very fast there, uh, <laughs> conversation about the governing body responsibilities. And Sue, so we're going to follow this up. We're going to actually start our, our new series, which is going to be a governing body um, edition of mm-hmm. the uh, podcast. We'll be recording that hopefully in the next week. A lot of the content is going to be a crossover from this, mm-hmm. but the purpose of that particular uh, edition is going to be to uh, to provide it to governing body members so that they can stay up to date on on issues that are pertinent to them. So let's take a short break and we'll come back and talk about what's going on in the ASC industry and uh, upcoming conferences, etc. In this segment, we provide an update on upcoming topics for the podcast, our upcoming virtual conferences, and upcoming speaking engagements for John and his staff and other events in the ASC industry. So I'm uh, heading off in uh, early May to the Iowa Association of ASC's uh, annual conference that's going to be at the Stony Creek Inn in Johnston, uh, Iowa. And I'll be speaking about accounting and finance. Actually, I have a three-hour conversation about accounting and finance. So uh, I thought that was interesting and that uh, they've dedicated quite a bit of time for uh, Mm -hmm. a pretty intensive look into accounting and finance and ASCs. And the ASCA 2023 Conference and Expo is May 17th through the 20th, 2023 at the Kentucky International Convention Center in Louisville, Kentucky. And we're, so a whole bunch of us will be there. That's right. I think it's more than 10. I don't quite know how many. We're going to have some podcasts there. We're going to be meeting up with some of our patron members. And certainly if you run into Sue or myself, uh, say hi to us uh, if you're uh, one of our many, many loyal listeners. We have about, uh, I think we have about 350 subscribers and we have about Five to six hundred downloads for every episode, so we're doing very well uh, with with this. So we we appreciate all of our listeners, and we'd love to see you during the the ASCA conference and the Arizona Ambulatory Surgery Centers Association annual conference and exhibit is going to be June twenty second to twenty third, twenty twenty three, at the JW Marriott Camelback Inn and Resort and Spa in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the Florida Society of Ambulatory Surgical Centers. Annual conference and trade show is July 19th through the 21st, 2023 at the Lowe's Portofino Bay Hotel, Universal Orlando. And just to remind you of our upcoming conferences, we have uh, a boot camp coming up in May, the Director of Nursing Boot Camp. This uh, will be our third year running of the, the Director of Nursing Boot Camp. Very excited to uh, to get this crowd uh, going, this new cohort going in. And then in June, we're going to have our 2023 multi-state conference uh, which we talked about earlier, uh, that's going to be June 12th and 13th. And in July, we're going to have our administrators boot camp. Uh, we already had a boot camp in January of this year. And then in August 2023, uh, starting on August 8th, we're going to have our business office manager boot camp. This will be the kickoff of that one. That's uh, the last of the, the boot camps that we've been promising our listeners for many years. 
Uh, just a reminder, our boot camps have become the standard of the industry for preparing you know, leaders in the ASC industry. So um, a lot of benefits. You can find out much more information about it at ASCpodcast.com. But remember, it's not just this four-day intensive conference. It's also the ongoing mentoring, the drop-in sessions every week on Saturday mornings, uh, access to a huge database, and the ability to text back and forth questions with the listeners here through our brand new software at the ASC-Central website. And also don't forget about our recorded events. They're all available at ASCpodcast.com, including a, a comprehensive credentialing conference recorded in 2020. Um, in fall of 2022, we had a finance and accounting conference. We had uh, 2021, a conditions for coverage conference and went through all the conditions for coverage. Uh, in great detail. We also had a medical directorate conference in 2021, which discussed the responsibilities and the, the uh, uh, what is expected of a medical director, especially during a survey. And then there, we do have on-demand uh, versions of the Director of Nursing Administrators Boot Camps, and eventually we'll have an on-demand version of the Business Office Boot Camp also. And we do want to remind, remind everybody about our patron member program. We also refer to it as ASC Centro. It is an exclusive membership website that provides a one-stop ASC regulatory and accreditation, compliance operations, and financial management resource for those busy administrators, nurse managers, and business office managers. And resources include access to virtual conferences, links, policies and procedures, forms, drills, and discounts and services and books, and access to regular AEU credits. Membership helps to defray the cost of producing the podcast, including research staff, travel costs at conferences, equipment costs, and production costs. So for more information, please visit ASCpodcast.com. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. We hope you found the discussion informative and engaging. And if you did, we encourage you to share it with your friends and colleagues in the ASC industry. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss one of our episodes. And we'd like to give a special shout-out to our amazing team who make this podcast possible. Our sound editor, Susan Cronkite, our executive producer, John Gailey, and our dedicated research team, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Calaritis, Amy Durbano, Lori Rodericks, Kathy Foti, Donna Macchio, and Ann Geyer. And we couldn't do this without them. Our music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah, and the ASC Podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast platforms. We look forward to bringing you more exciting discussions and insights in future episodes. Thanks for listening. This episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems, Trivalence, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Surgical Information Systems provides cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable insights. Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies is the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCpodcast.com. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you are interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, 
please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.